That's great. Well, we're going to have uh, our reading in a moment. Uh, and I think, is it Lou that's doing the reading? Amazing. But when uh, Lou comes to read this, I want you to re- listen to the text, listen to the passage, and just look out for key phrases, look out for key um, themes that's going on. Think about the power of the personal invitation. So think about people being invited. Think about encounters with Jesus. And just look at when they talk about an open heaven, an open heaven. So have all that in mind, an open heart, as the word is read to us. Look out for them phrases, look out for them words. Lou, why don't you come and do the reading? Thanks, Pete. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he wanted, sorry, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Peter said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Because Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and angels and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Well, an amazing picture, isn't it? An amazing passage that we've just read. You've got this invitation. You've got this open heaven. You've got this thing about angels ascending and descending. It's a really amazing passage. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Nathaniel being under a fig tree and Jesus seeing Nathaniel under a fig tree, but seeing his heart as well, not just the fact that he was under this fig tree. And I was reminded about of a time when uh, we were in between spaces. It's often quite hard, isn't it, uh, being in transition and being in between spaces. But we'd moved back from New Zealand and we were about to start a job in Edinburgh. But we hadn't started a job, so we were having no income. So we were basically on benefits. We were living with our, my in-laws uh, in Yorkshire. And we were out at this um, like village fair, so nice little Yorkshire fair with bunting and balloons and little stuff. There was a little duck race happening down the river. It was very, very lovely. And um, as Pete said earlier, we've got children. We've got four kids under the age of 10. I'll just let that hang for a little bit. We've got four kids under the age of 10. And when you're at things like uh, village fates and things, or you're out and about, you kind of say, have you been to the toilet? Yeah, you've all been to the toilet. Yeah, there's not going to be a chance to go to the toilet when we're out. You've been to the toilet. Yeah, line up, go to the toilet. You do all that. And when you're out and about and you're looking around, you're scanning, there's no toilet. So he's like, you kind of hope that they don't need a wee. You pray they don't need a poo. Often they do, and they come to you and they're like, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. You don't know what's happening down there. I'm desperate. This was one of them occasions. We were at the village fete and it was so lovely. And I really wanted to see the duck race. In my head, I'd clocked which duck was going to win. And I was going to follow it down. It's like, that's my duck. I'm going to win. There wasn't a prize. But I was excited about being there. And then my, my youngest son was like, Dad, 
a need on toilet. I was like, that's fine, that's fine. We're not going anywhere. We're here for the duck race. Okay, there's a bush there. Go, go. In the... It's like, no, 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 dad, dad. I need on toilet. I was like, it's fine. Like, I can get creative with a leaf. We can wash up. We can wipe up. We can sort like, let it go. Do it in the river. Let it flow down with the ducks. Like, you're not, we're not going to a toilet. Like, we're here for the duck race. We're at the, 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 the village fete. And he's like, dad, we've got to go to the toilets. So he waddled his way to the toilets, um, to these horrible, disgusting portaloos. Like, I mean, they were rancid. You know, you know the sort of type you can kind of smell them before you see them, and you kind of you walk your way into the toilet, thinking, "What is this going to look like and smell like? Is there going to be a toilet seat? I don't even know." So we go in, and my son finally makes it into the toilet, and he shuts the door, and I'm like, "This is going to take a while. I just hope I don't miss the duck race." And I'm saying, come on, come on, you must be ready by now. You must be ready now. Come on, come on, come on. Move it along, move it along. And I was telling Pete earlier, I don't know what this is, but um, kind of the kids go through these seasons of like just taking ages in the toilet. It's like, what do you do in there? There's been occasions where I've walked in to go on wipe-up duty, and he's literally completely naked. I'm like, what have you done? Like, now I have to dress you, and I have to clean you and wipe you. Like, why have you done that? I wasn't sure if he was doing that, so I was thinking he's taking it. He must be doing the naked thing. So I'd read all the things that you shouldn't read on the toilet doors and on the toilet walls. I'd studied some of the diagrams that was like, oh my gosh, you definitely shouldn't read and look out or work out what it is. And then I noticed in the toilet, cemented into the wall, a donations box. And it said, please give money to the upkeep of these toilets. I was like... I was like, who on earth would give money to a toilet fund? I mean, don't we give money to the council who then come and clean up the toilets? I mean, I'm grateful that my son can do a poo in there, but I'm not that grateful that I'm going to put money in there. Who on earth gives money to the toilet fund? And I thought I heard God say, you should. I was like, Okay, um, I kind of rejected and rebuked that voice in my head, and I'm kind of banging on this. Come on, you must be ready now. I was like, that definitely isn't God. I no, 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 you should. I'm like, I should give money to the toilet fund. So I kind of sheeplessly said to God, okay, God, like, if that is you, I don't think it is, but if that is you, if you're asking me to give money to the toilet fund, how much money should I give to the toilet fund? And I thought I heard God, heard God say, give everything you've got in your wallet. I don't know if you've ever been sick in your mouth, but I'm like, God, do you know we're on benefits? Do you know that I'm in between jobs? We don't have an income. If I give money, and I was, I, I was sure that there was £30 in my wallet, like three £10 notes. And I'm like, this is painful. It wasn't a wallet, it was in my phone. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way you should give. You give it. Give the money to the toilet fund. I'm like, God. At this point, I'm literally pulling the door off the hinges. I'm like, come on! I'm having this wrestle with God. It often happens and I usually lose. But I'm like, God, okay, okay, I'll give money to the toilet fund. So I get my money out. To my relief, there's only 20 pounds in there. Praise the Lord. There's only two tens. There's not three, as I thought there was. But I'm like, Katie, Katie's going to kill me. Like, like, this just doesn't make any sense. So I get the first ten out and I, and I it in the toilet fund I'm thinking there's twos and there's ones and there's five pences in there I bet there's not a tenner in there I bet there's not a tenner in there Lord so I'm stuffing the ten pound in and then I hear the toilet flush praise you Lord and because the toilet's flush it means I've got to wipe up so the other ten pound went back in my wallet I did the, all the things that a dad should do wipe up, clean up, wash the hands off you go as I was walking away from the toilet I thought I heard God say that's not what I asked didn't ask you to, to give half but I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to use that £10 
in your wallet. And I'm like, okay, just don't tell Katie. Um, so we walk back to the, uh, the duck fair and everything's great and it's all lovely and so on and it's all village-like. And then that night I'm back at home or Katie's parents' house and I'm having a shower and I'm just in there joining all the nice smells and the bubbles and everything. And I thought I heard God say, Paul, get out of the shower, go downstairs, get that £10 out of your wallet, put it on the table, get a pencil and write, Jesus loves you and underline the word you and take it back down to the toilets. You are kidding me, right? You are kidding me, like, leave the shower to go to the toilets. It's, it's pitch black dark and it's pouring with rain. Leave my shower. It's movie night. God, it's movie night. Like, I can't leave tonight. Kate is waiting downstairs. We're going to watch a movie. Anyway, I'm like, oh, forget it. You know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. So I go, I get the £10 note. I write, Jesus loves you. And I underline it. Jesus loves you. And then I put my comfies on my trackies and my hoodies, basically my pyjamas. And I go down, drive down five minutes into the village, the the centre, find the dirty, smelly toilets, walk in the rain with money in my hands. Looks a bit weird. I think, am I going to get arrested? Because it looks like I'm loitering here. This just doesn't, isn't good. And then I get to the toilets with my money and the toilets were shut. Praise you, Jesus. Great. And I was like, God, I told you. I, I, I must have got it wrong, or maybe you got it wrong, or maybe you're just not that clever. Maybe I didn't get out of the shower quick enough, I don't know, but anyway, I'm off the hook. And then as I walked away, the Spirit of God came on me. My heart started pounding fast, quickening in my spirit, and he's like, Paul, turn around, turn around. As I turn around, I look right at the toilets, and right outside the toilets, there's a bus shelter, right in front of the toilets. And there's a really sad looking old man. And he sat by himself at night time in the pouring rain, drinking a can of lager by himself. And I was like, ah. And I felt God say, go and talk to him. Go and talk to that guy. And I'm like, oh, maybe we see him part, we know him part. Maybe it wasn't the toilet. Maybe it's about actually you redeeming. So anyway, I go and I see this guy and I was like, hey, um, nice night, isn't it? And uh, we kind of make sort of short talk, as, as Kath was saying earlier, and you guys are doing a great thing with that. And then um, I was just there, I was like, mate, this sounds a bit weird, I know. I know it's a bit weird, but um, I'm actually, I'm a priest, and, and I'm in between jobs. I'm going to do a job in Edinburgh, but um, I'm actually walking around, just praying and, and thinking, and I saw you. And I just wondered, is there anything that I could pray for for you? And he's like, oh, mate, that's, that's, that's really kind of, oh, you know what, um, actually, I've, I've got it, and then it did get a bit weird, I've got, I've got this £10, I've got £10 for you, um, could, could I give you this £10, I feel maybe that God wants you to have this £10, he's like, oh, no, 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 it's fine, I don't need it, I said, okay, we'll give it to somebody that needs it, and he said, you know what, he said, you'd never know this, but today's my birthday, I was like, oh, well, happy birthday, enjoy the £10, and he's like, yeah, it, it's my birthday, I said, mate, why are you in the bus shelter by yourself? your 60th birthday in the rain drinking a can of lager by yourself and he said you know it's it, this time of year is quite hard for me he said I lost my wife and I lost my son to cancer in the space of a few months and this time of year is really hard for me this time of year I find myself being alone and this time of year I find myself thinking a lot and doing a lot of heart searching and a lot of thought processing and so on and I was like mate can I pray for you? Could I just say a prayer for you? Just, just right where we are now. So whilst he was there, sat not under a fig tree, but under a bush shelter, I begin to pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. 
And I watch as the heavens open. And I watch as his face begins to melt. And the presence of God comes and the kingdom of God breaks out. And the kingdom of God breaks in and it begins to manifest. And he begins to look at me and I'm like, God, you're at work. Like you're not at the front of church. No one's laying hands on him. It's not ministry time. We haven't got a nice worship song. You are breaking in right here, right now, under this bush shelter. Because you know and you saw that man. I didn't. But you saw him. You knew he was under that bush shelter. You knew what's in his heart. And here we are. So I'm beginning to pray for him. And as I pray for him, the church bells start ringing. So I say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you know this guy, Derek. You were there at his birth. You celebrated when he was born. You know him, you love him, and you like him. And you knew that he was under this bush shelter. You know what's in his heart. You know his pain. You know what he's going through. You know his grief. You know his loss. And Lord, when he hears the church bells, I pray that that is a constant reminder of an invitation to come home. It's a constant reminder, like it was in the parishes, when they would ring the bells, it was a call to worship. It's a call to worship. That Father, he would hear the bells, and one day he would make the journey from the bus shelter to the church and he would come home and he would find you and he would be in a community that are going to love him and like him and accept him and have him around and pour love upon him and then I remembered what I'd written on the 10 pound note and I was like hey Derek um, would you mind just opening the 10 pound note he opens the 10 pound note and he reads Jesus loves you underlined you and he literally just melts he literally melts in front of me he begins to sob and there's this moment where the kingdom of God's breaking out it's almost like an open heaven it's almost like angels ascending and descending in this space in this place it's a holy place it becomes a holy place because the kingdom of God has broken out and you know what he says to me he says you know what he said I I sometimes wonder if there is a God I do wonder if God does exist he said sometimes I don't want to exist I don't even want to be here. He said, but it's meeting people like you and it's having conversations like this that keep me on this planet. You know what I love about that story? I love that God cared more about the guy under the bush shelter than he did my hot shower. I love that God cared more about the man under the bush shelter on his birthday by himself alone grieving than he did about my movie night. I love the fact that Jesus saw him under the bush shelter before I even knew he was there. I was on my way to the toilet. It's not a bush shelter. I love the fact that Jesus saw him. He had a plan for him. He loves him and he pours out his spirit on him and that he would use somebody like me just to get involved in that. I love that. Hey, let's look at this passage, this text, because it's a really interesting one. We see that Jesus has this amazing conversation, doesn't he? Has this interesting conversation. Philip's gone and found Nathaniel. He's brought him to Jesus. And Jesus is saying to um, Nathaniel, here's a man. He's a true Israelite. Here is a man with integrity. He's basically saying, here is a man whose inner world is consistent with his outer world. He's saying, here is a man that prays. It's uh, likely that that Jewish people would go under fig trees, they would go under trees to find a solid place, a place where they can just connect with God and pray. Jesus saw not just the fact that he was under a fig tree, he saw what was going on in his heart. He said, here is a man with integrity. Here is a man with a pure heart. And then he has this conversation about heaven being open. Because Nathaniel responds and he says, Oh my goodness, like surely you are the son of God. You, you saw me under the fig tree. You know my heart. You are the son of God. And Jesus almost laughs and says, You think that that was great? Because I saw you? Because I know what's in your heart? You think that was great? I tell you, very much I tell you, you are going to see an open heaven. And you're going to see angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. 
And at that point, in that stage, the Jewish people, contemporaries around were thinking, I've heard that. Where have I heard that? Where have I heard angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man? Oh yeah, of course. It's Genesis chapter 28. They would have known that, they would have known the scriptures. It's familiar language that Jesus is drawing, is drawing that imagery from there. And in Genesis chapter 28, it's the story of Jacob having a dream. And in the dream, there's a ladder stretched between earth and heaven. And as the ladder stretched from earth to heaven, angels of man is ascending up and down from heaven. And the spirit of God is breaking out and he lands with saying, surely this is the place of God. This is the house of God. This is a place. And then when he says to him, he said, you will see greater things than that. Yes, he will see Jesus' life, his resurrection, his death. He'll see all that. But he's saying, you are going to see greater things. You're going to see an open heaven. You're going to see the kingdom of God break out. You're going to see so much stuff. Because in the Greek, when he says, you are going to see this, the you is plural. He's saying it to Nathaniel. He said, you're going to see it. But, but your children are going to see it. Your children's children are going to see it. Effectively, we're going to see it. So what I believe Jesus is saying is when we engage with the Spirit of God, when we follow Jesus, when we involve ourselves in the kingdom of God, you're going to see an open heaven. So when you invite people, there's going to be an open heaven. There's going to be angels ascending and descending. There's going to be heavenly activity. There's going to be kingdom of God breaking out when you come and you step out and you invite people to stuff. Because you're not just inviting people to a party. You're inviting people to the presence. You're inviting people into the presence. It's a spiritual thing. Don't underestimate the power of the invite. What you're doing. It's not just a physical little thing. You're inviting people. You are the church bell that rings. Evangelism effectively is just a call to worship. It's a call to worship. That we call people to come and to worship God. It's what we do. So when you go out and about, when you speak to people at university, or in, your, in your halls or your streets, or at work, when you are Jesus to people, when you invite the Spirit to come and you have these conversations, the Spirit of God is with you and it's breaking out. It's breaking out. If we could see a glimpse for a moment into the spiritual realm, all the stuff that is kicking off, it would blow your mind. It would blow your mind of what is happening. You might think, well, who do I go to? Who, who's the Spirit of God leading me to? Maybe there is 99 people. There is 99. But where do I start, Jesus? Where do I start? Spirit of God, just place somebody in our hearts now, in our mind now. Place somebody in our hearts. It might be somebody that we totally didn't even expect. But place somebody in our heart. Who's under the fig tree, Lord Jesus? Who's in a good place that maybe just wants encouragement? Who's in a bad place that needs encouragement? Who's the person that I maybe need to go and sit under the fig tree with? Lay it on our hearts, Jesus, now. When we um, were in between moving to, um, new, from New Zealand to Edinburgh, I was considering a job that I eventually took. And one of the um, ministries that the, the church do is that they uh, run a thing called a Saturday meal. So every Saturday at the church, they create like a, a basically like a restaurant. And it's tablecloths and it's knives and it's crockery, it's forks, it's lovely. And they have around 100, 127 as being the most. But it's people who are on the margins of society. Many of them are in um, hostels. Many of them are homeless. And they come in, here it is, the tables are set And it's a wealthy church, but it's a generous church. And they do this every Sunday. There's 200 volunteers. There's 30 volunteers that do it every Saturday. And part of my role is to oversee this. And I remember saying to God, God, that just sounds overwhelming. A hundred people in one room with a lot of things going on in their lives, difficult situations, difficult backgrounds, people from chaotic backgrounds, people suffering with mental health issues, people who are homeless, people who are suicidal. God, I I don't know if I can do that. It just seems so overwhelming. 
And I felt like God say, it's okay. Don't, don't, don't worry about everyone. Trust me with them. There's a team there for that. But, but go and find the one. Go and find one that I bring to you, that I just highlight to you. So that's what I did. I, I prayed and I would go along on a Saturday uh, and I would just kind of mingle. Not every Saturday, but I would see people. And I would just allow God to open my eyes and find the person that was on his heart. I mean, they're all on his heart, but the one that comes to the surface. The one that's in a position that actually maybe God wants me to work with and minister with. So what I would do is I'd invite them to come back midweek. And we would get lunch together. And I'd invite people from the team. I'd invite people from the volunteers. I'd invite people who were homeless. And it was just one-to-one, me and this uh, guy. Uh, And one guy I brought in was a guy called Mark. I think we've got a picture of Mark. And I invited Mark to come in. And Mark's a guy who is skinhead. He's covered in tattoos. He's absolutely rock hard. He really is. But he's got no voice. He's got no voice. Because when he was a kid, his teacher absolutely slated him publicly. He's dyslexic. And he didn't like speaking in front of people. He couldn't read out. So his teacher just slated him. So he doesn't got any confidence. Like, he, 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 you can barely hear him. We interviewed him once and we had to mic him up and, and, uh, on, on camera and crank it right up. Because you can barely hear his voice. He hasn't got a voice. And he told me the story of the negative words that's been spoken over him. And I was like, okay, well, over lunch, let's just let's talk about that. Let's pray about that. I invited him back into my office. My office had a leak, so I had to rip everything out. And I'm rebuilding my office um, on a zero budget with reclaimed, upcycled, found, broken objects. And I'm restoring the office space with people whose lives are being restored. Uh, so we're doing it together. So I invited Mark back into the office. And I said, hey, you told me the story of the pizza and I know about the negative words. I've written on the wall in massive letters in a permanent marker, negative words. And in a moment, I'm going to pray over you. And you're going to climb up the ladder. And with a scraper, you're going to scrape off the negative words that's been spoken over your life. So I pray over him. He, he says uh, that he forgives the teacher that did it. We did a thing of confession. Uh, we, we prayed over his voice. We prayed over the negative words. And I was like, okay, up you go, the ladder. There's that image again, isn't the ladder? Up you go. I step out of the room. And as Mark takes the scraper, I hear this roar. Yes! Yes! Yeah! Yes! And the papers flying everywhere as it's flying down all over the floor these negative words these things and we come and we pray over him mark's exploring ordination mark was homeless um he is journeyed he, he come to the church he's, he's i've just invited him onto the saturday meal team and he advises he works for a charity called bethany who helps homeless people um get homes Go after the one that God brings to your attention. There's another guy, a guy called Paul. I I, I won't tell you about him, but he wrote um, the words fear on the wall. And we prayed over him as well. In his late 50s. Let's look at the passage again, this text. Because there's an amazing, amazing example here. Of Philip going after the one. Because he's just met Jesus and he has this revelation of who Jesus is. Like, this is absolutely brilliant. And the text doesn't actually say that Philip stopped and said, oh, gee, I've just met this guy. I've met this guy. He's brilliant. I was like, hey, see the guy over there? That's Jesus. He doesn't kind of like slowly make his way around all the people in the crowd. He's like, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. He just cuts through and he's focused and it's like a laser-like focus and he goes straight for Nathaniel. He goes straight for his friend. 
And he has this conversation with Nathaniel, and he says, hey, I found the one, the one that people have been prophesying about. I found the one. I found the promised one. He tells him where he's from. And Nathaniel says, ha, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, this wasn't a, a small-time rivalry thing. It wasn't like our, our place is better than that place. That place isn't great, so nothing can come out of it. This was spiritual blindness. He couldn't see who Jesus was, the fact that Jesus could be the Son of God. And Philip says this amazing thing. He says, okay, well, don't take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. Come and see. He's like, if you, you know, I'll come with you. And that's quite important, you know, that Philip, he went with him. He went with him to the event. He went with him to church. He went with him to the social. He went with him to the party, if you like. But he goes with him to Jesus, and he takes him to Jesus. Come and see. Now, them three words are amazing, aren't they? Come and see. Really simple. And I know you guys have been looking at the woman at the well, and she goes into the village, doesn't she? And she says, come and see the one who's, who's told me everything about my life. Just three words. Come and see. I think we could also kind of use the words, you should come. You should come. Hey, I went to church on Sunday. It's really great. You should come. Hey, I was at this social. It was really good. It was down at the bar in King's Cross. Uh, it's happening next week. You should come. Hey, I was at this uh, party and uh, a lot of my friends are there. You should come. Hey, I did an alpha course recently. It's really great. You should come. You should come. The power of the personal invitation. It's just three words. You should come. You should come. It's great. You should come. And if they want to know what your church is like, say, it looks like me. The church is a bit like me. Hopefully we're kind, we're generous, we're inviting, we're loving, you know. But uh, you wouldn't go to a church if you didn't like it. You're not made to be here. Like there's elements of church that you like and KXE does this so well and, and does events so well and does church and gathering so well. There's a trust that you can trust in. That if you bring your brother, your friend, your flatmate, your work colleague, that you can trust them. You can trust the leadership and the team that they're not going to humiliate them or embarrass them. They care for them. They love them. You've done the invitation. They want to honour that and they will honour that. So we see what Jesus is doing. Where is God identifying someone? We look for that person. So God reveal that person. We go to the person, but then we invite the person just like Philip did. He went and said, you should come. You should come. He went after him. Let me finish just with a, a final story then. When we lived uh, in New Zealand, we were looking to fill our house because it was, uh, it was unfurnished space. Um, and it is a, a lot harder than you actually imagine. You know, you, there's not like, it's just trying to work out where do you go and buy furniture and all that stuff. And there's a, there's a, a thing online called Trade Me, which is basically like eBay or Gumtree. So you do a lot of searching. You know, oh, that looks nice. And you kind of try and work out where it is and so on. And my wife, Katie, had seen these bookshelves uh, on Trade Me. And she said, like, oh, they're quite nice. I wasn't too fussed. But she was like, I want to get them. So we had to drive the other side of Auckland to go and get these bookshelves uh, that were going to look absolutely great. So Katie was driving, and she said, you go out, you know, you, you pay the $20 and, and bring the bookshelf in, but, but be quick, because the kids are kicking off, you know, classic. They're in the car, um, so I go out, and I've got my $20, and I'm kind of doing the dad jug to get to the lady, and I'm like, oh, hey, can I get the, uh, the, the bookshelf uh, from you? It looks really great. Yeah, you know, can we wrap this up? I just, can I get this? Is it $20? She, she's looking at me, and she's like... Uh, you're not a Kiwi. And I was like, Sherlock, great. Yeah, you figured that out, that I'm an, I've got an English accent. Uh, I'm not a Kiwi, no. She's like, what are you doing in New Zealand? I was like, oh, father. Um, <laughs> looking at Katie thinking, okay, so I came here for a job. Oh, what do you do? Oh, Lord. Um, at this point, I either say I work for a charity. True, kind of. Uh, it is a charity. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a student worker. I work in a community. I work in the city is one that I sometimes used to say. I work in the city because then they think I do something that I can't explain. Um, or I say, oh, I'm a priest. And I went with that one. 
I'm a priest. And suddenly she lights up and she said, oh, I'm interested in spirituality. I was like, wow, I did not expect that. She said, I, I'm really interested in spirituality. She said, I was brought up a Sikh and I hated it. I was like, wow, okay. And she said, I'm interested in what your church stands for, who you're about, what does church look like? I said, oh, it's really great. You know, you should come, you know, it's coming along, it looks like this and stuff. You just come along one time. And we started talking about spiritual things. And then I said, hey, if you are interested in spiritual things, what, should, I, should I just say a prayer? Like, why don't we just say a prayer now, like over the garden fence? She's like, okay, so, you know, so I'm not going to close my eyes, I'm not going to lay hand on you, I won't lick your face. Like, I'm not going to do anything weird, but I, I could just pray, should we just pray? Yeah, yeah, okay. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And I watch her as she begins to melt in front of me in open heaven, ladder between earth and heaven, the kingdom of God, breaking out on her I just totally pouring his love out onto this lady. She begins to kind of manifest and, and, and experience the presence of God. And I say, hey, you know what? If you are interested in spirituality, if you are interested in church, you should just come. Um, our church have been producing this, this um, book. It's called Stories Book. And it's full of people's lives, uh, people that have come to faith, people that have come back to faith, and people that have come alive in their faith. My story's in there, my wife's story's in there. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to get the book, and I'm going to write your name in it, and your husband's name in it, and I'm going to take it with me to church on Sunday. And if you choose to come, I'd love to give it to you, to read. She never came alone. She came with her whole family. She brought her whole family to church, she then went on to do an alpha course and I had the privilege of baptising her. It's a picture of her now. This is Rebecca. They're very much involved in church. They're very much involved in the life of the church. Her husband sings in the choir. She's involved in doing gardening around the church. The kids love the kids' church. And I used to say to her, hey, look, I like having your bookshelf in our house, but I love having your family in the church. Why don't we just uh, respond? I wonder who your Nathaniel is. I wonder who the person that God's maybe just laid on your heart. Who's the person that we just want to bring before Jesus and say, God, this person, this person, a conversation with this person would be great, Lord Jesus. Maybe you're the one that actually needs to bring yourself before Jesus and our open heaven to be over you.